Welcome to the High Performance Couples Podcast, a spinoff of the High Performance Insider Podcast. I'm certified high performance coach, Amanda Faust. And I'm David Faust. And we are coming together to share our mission to help couples lead high performing lives. We weren't always a high performance couple, but through working on ourselves as individuals and striving for a next level relationship, we have developed methods to help us continually move towards our highest potential. And we want to help you do the same. Join us as we walk through our highs, like growing our family and finding freedom through entrepreneurship, and our lows, like life after addiction and putting together the brokenness of our marriage, and of course, everything in between. You will walk away with actionable strategies to implement in your own marriage, your business, and overall everyday life. Are you ready? Let's dive right in. Hello, and welcome to episode three of the High Performance Couples Podcast. We're your hosts, Amanda Faust. And I'm David Faust. And in this episode, we're talking about learning to sit in the pain. Society teaches us from a young age to run from pain. We distract ourselves, quit before we work through things, or even just sit in denial for far too long. That can cause a ripple effect of issues that could have been avoided had we actually just faced the issue. At the end of this episode, you will walk away with tangible ways you can address pain in healthier, more effective ways. Please subscribe to our podcast and consider leaving a review so we can reach more and more couples on their high-performance journey. We want to provide insight, tips, and resources so you and your partner can reach your highest potential together. Okay. Hey, David. How are you today? Hey, well, how are you doing? Good. We weren't planning on recording today, but... No, it's a busy day today. <laughs> yeah, it's been nonstop, but we also... It was interesting because the topic we were going to talk about kind of went along with today. Yeah. We're sitting in pain. Yeah. And it's not that we're going through a whole lot right now, although we've had many seasons we'll talk about where we have been sitting in mm-hmm. some pretty bad pain. <laughs> but today was more just we were tired and we didn't want to do it and we didn't go, go, go. But then I was like, this might be the time to talk about sitting in the pain a little bit. I was like, can I just have five minutes to sit and just chill for a second? And what did I like- say? uh no <laughs> i was like okay fair enough no i we didn't tell you no i said actually you can sit but we we're gonna record a podcast episode about sitting in the pain so why don't you talk about and i heard no <laughs> but i thought it was i thought it was appropriate it was kind of funny irony of it all yeah so in this episode we're gonna walk you through how we personally deal with pain how we deal with pain together and then also some tangible ways for you to sit in the pain as well yeah so David why don't you share a little bit about how you handled pain in the past and how you've learned to handle it in current present time yeah well I don't think I was the most healthiest at handling pain back in the day Um, I've learned a lot and come a long way but um a lot of the times, the way I would handle pain is I would just run from it. And the way I would run from it was, um, and some of this I'll share now, and some of it I may dive into the podcast, but um, I would, I actually used alcohol to run from it. And um, I actually made a decision in kind of my journey that I just wanted to stop having alcohol in my life. And so I've been sober for two years, um, but it was used as a tool to kind of self-medicate and instead of just sitting in that pain, dealing with what I need to do with, it was a way to kind of escape and just use as like a relaxation. Um, 
Yeah, it was a weight that I would use to escape pain. Yeah. So since you've been sober, what has it been like to have to face pain kind of for the first time in your adult life? It's been a journey um, of just being more aware of all of the emotions that you experience when you're in pain. Um, hence the reason why a lot of people, including myself, ran from it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just really kind of identifying the different emotions that you feel because pain is comes in many different forms. Um, and so really just identifying it, being okay with it, um, and knowing that when you're going through it, you're learning along the way and you're you're not just experiencing pain because it's misery forever. It, it is typically we use the word season, like we're, mm-hmm. we're just going through a season of that pain or discomfort. And um, when you look at it that way, you see light at the end of the tunnel per se. And, and it, it just kind of changes your perspective of, you know what, I can deal with this and I'm going to learn through this um, and, you know, being in it and learning through it only builds you to be more resilient to the next task yeah. and build your character and your leadership and kind of everything included. It builds your threshold for pain. Mm-hmm. Like you start at one level and then you realize, wow, I made it through. I faced it. I made it through. I didn't just sweep it under the rug or ignore it or like you said, self-medicate, but I, I can do this. And then the next time when pain comes around, sometimes it doesn't even feel as painful because it could be pretty similar to the last round you went through. And if it's worse, your threshold for what you can handle has risen and you kind of rise to that occasion when you face it. Yeah, it's interesting because as you're saying that, it reminds me a lot of like, um, and this may be a book we could dive into later with soundtracks. Yeah, It's the stories that we tell ourselves in those moments that it. I think we are a lot more tolerant to pain than we realize um, as humans, just in, we're individuals. Um, but we tell ourselves that this is just too much. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to sit in it. And we, we escape it through different ways, through work, through fun, through pleasure, through whatever that may be. Um, but it's, it's what we tell ourselves at that moment. Hey, I can't deal with this. But if we truly realize that, you know what, we can actually get through this. That's something I've had to realize and change that to kind of that voice in my head, the soundtrack that we're talking about, the, the. I don't know if I can do this. I don't want to be here. I don't want to experience this pain or discomfort. Um, and we run from, but it, it really is just looking at that and changing the perspective from running into embracing. What do you think the like mindset and the soundtrack was prior to being sober? And then what do you think it is now? Like, how has that changed? Because, you know, we may not have listeners who relate to a journey of sobriety. We may, we may, but you know, the root of why people drink and the root of why people run are is often the same. So that can be pretty relatable. So what was that soundtrack shift for you? A lot of it was I didn't just want to be there or it was a soundtrack of this is too much, I can't handle it. Since you go on that journey, you can start to relate to other people when you hear that. You hear other people say it and it's it almost makes you want to reach out and hold their hand like no we got this let's do this (laughs) Uh, we're in this together i know i know for a fact you can get through it Mm -hmm. um but it is just that you reach you put limits on yourself um so the limits can come in different ways for me i don't know i think low confidence in certain areas and and leadership something that i still well something i had to deal with was just like letting go of others leading and embracing like 
trusting my own decision-making. I think a lot of it was I didn't trust myself in my decisions. I always felt like I was making the wrong decision, um, which I still make the wrong decision, but I'm more, um, I adapt not better always. to, not always, but I, I mean, I'm better at making decisions, but I'm also like, I know that if something does come up, that I either don't know or I do wrong, that everything's correctable. And mm-hmm. you, as Marie I'm, Forleo says, everything is figure outable. Everything is figure outable. I like that. But, yeah. <laughs> but it is true. I mean, I work on houses. And so I remember looking or learning very early on with houses that there's nothing you can break that we can't fix. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of adapted that philosophy into leadership or parenting or different aspects of my life where I, I didn't have that self confidence that, oh, I can do this. Or if I do make a mistake, that's okay. We'll learn and just not make it, make it again. Yeah. We've watched a lot of, um, a lot of couples or even individuals not follow through on things simply because they weren't able to ride the wave of the pain that comes along with following your dreams or trying to reach your goals. And that's actually what made us think about doing this episode because we were having a conversation one time about the pain involved in entrepreneurship and the pain involved in parenting and like all these different things and decisions we've made as parents that are hard. And we will probably talk about those in a future episode too, but just like really limited screen time, um, pretty strict boundaries in parenting. And then like in entrepreneurship, just growing our companies so quickly, but also so intentionally is very hard too. And, you know, we've watched people who we love have these dreams and they they don't go after them and it's so difficult because it kind of goes back to what you're saying about it just want to take their hand and be like you can do this you can do this and and we do try to do that but ultimately it's up to them to be able to ride the wave of the pain involved knowing that there's so much pleasure too oh yeah so much yeah. pleasure so well it reminds me of couples that we have worked with and and relates to even myself the journey I was on of taking action I think a lot of the sitting in the pain is knowing that even if you mess up you're going to be okay um but i think what stopped me a lot of times was the the action i think that everything had to be perfect so that was smooth sailing so it wasn't pain along that journey but i think the accepting that you know what there is going to be pain there is going to be discomfort in the entrepreneurship journey was just kind of a mindset change and shift for me as well Yeah, you were kind of thrown into entrepreneurship and realized really quickly that when you were both trying to be sober and be an entrepreneur at the same time, that you were going to have to learn real fast how to sit through the pain. How to sit through the pain, (laughs) yeah. You've done a great job. Makes you more resilient. I think that's a good transition into me wanting to know about you and how you've handled pain in the past and, and your mindset toward pain and how has it shifted? Is it are you still the same person? Yeah, what I mean, does that look like then and now? Yeah, I'm always trying to learn and grow. And I would say that in the past, um, and sometimes still in the present, um, a lot of my how I dealt with pain was to just kind of ignore it and keep going. I would say I've I'd say resiliency is something I've just always had. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been a lot of pain in my life, and I think because I know I can get through it, like I've known for a long time that I can handle pain, which is a little bit different than your story. I know for you, it was like, can I handle this? This is too much. And, and mine was more like, yeah, I got this. I can handle this without actually spending time to really acknowledge it. 
Yeah, I think you might um, have been that way since I've known you. Yeah, but I mean, that's super not healthy either. So um, because I knew I could handle it, I would just kind of be like, yeah, I got this, keep going. And I used like determination and drive and perseverance and all that to kind of drown out, to drown out the pain, really. Mm -hmm. um, and so there wasn't a whole lot of sitting with it. So I know for me, ever since then, I... Well, in our early years of marriage, as you know, <laughs> I would usually hold it all in and then have some sort of outburst of some sort. Just um, a little one. <laughs> <laughs> and like just out of nowhere, like the littlest thing, it would it'd be like I'd have all these hard things and then the little tiny thing would be the thing that would make me be like, okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore and just break out. And um so since then, I've been doing a what I call a 24 hour rule. And I've been doing that for several years now. It's a good rule to have. Yeah. And what I know this. Saying? Yeah, I know it's not for everyone. Like there are a lot of people that may need longer than 24 hours or maybe, maybe don't need the full 24 hours. But I've found for me, that's a pretty good amount of time for me, because if I don't do that, I'm not going to acknowledge it at all. I'm a feeler. So like I have the emotions. They exist. They're there. Um, but I'm so comfortable with them. It's almost like if I don't take the time, I will just totally like bulldoze through it. So yeah. my 24 hour rule is I kind of just don't do anything for 24 hours, but just sit in the pain. Like I complain, mm -hmm. I feel the feels, journal, watch Netflix, which I hardly ever do. So it's usually like if I'm binging like, shows, yes. he's like, uh, first of all, yay. But second of all, got a list of what's going on with you? So yeah, because of that, I just, yeah, I give myself that time. And then my thing is in the morning when I wake up, it's over. And, yeah. you know, like I say, that doesn't work for everybody. Some people may need longer than that. But for yeah. me, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm through it. I have acknowledged it. I sat in it. Yeah. And now we shall move on. And I think that's a really healthy perspective. And in fact, it's something that we, or at least I acknowledged early on, that I was like, wow, I didn't know that was even a thing to sit in it for 20 It's okay to sit in it. Most people run from it so much that very few people realize, well, from my perspective, it was to just like sit in it and be okay with it. And we've actually adapted that or adopted that into our parenting. Mm, um, so we yeah, do that with our kids. Um, we like, I mean, I like to know when we see a kid upset or, you know, they don't have a bad flag football game or something like that, where um, they just get really upset. It's like, Hey, it's okay to be upset. You can be, but we're going to tomorrow morning when you wake up, we're going to fresh start. They fresh always start. say fresh start. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. All right. So now that you've heard how we handle pain, both on unhealthy ways and healthier ways as we've gone. And we still have a ways to go in this just area too. That's why it's a topic. We want to provide you with a couple ways that we would recommend sitting in the pain if you've never done this before. So the first step we have is to acknowledge. So that's a really important component because acknowledging is often a really hard really hard part like it sounds like oh that's a super simple place to start but I know for you and I don't want to speak for you you can go into this in more depth but yeah. I know for you the long for the longest time David thought there were like three emotions didn't you <laughs> I did yeah yeah so when we did <laughs> our adoption <laughs> yeah when we did our adoption um we were 
we just read like every parenting book in the world and not really, but it felt like it. And like studied attachment and did all this stuff. And I was like very, very into attachment therapy and all that with Evelyn. And I had like this whole chart about emotions and I was like, can I teach her all the things and help her identify that? And David just, I remember him being like, what are all these things? They were like different faces with the emotions under them. And he was just yep. like, I didn't even know what these, like what are, are all these? And so- we, And now I watch sad movies and can't help myself but cry. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, there's so many emotions. Yeah, but we went through those different ones and that was like super helpful for him. And like our kids know, they don't do this now because they're older, but when they were younger and they were learning their emotions, they would- go and point to the chart and they mm-hmm. would show us which emotion yeah, they felt an emotional chart like post on the wall yeah we had that and now they're able to just use the words yeah. um and i know for asher he is my our 10 year old i about said mine he's ours <laughs> he's both one he's, he's mine too <laughs> he's our 10 year old we homeschool him and um he fills out his journal every morning and says what his emotions what are day, yeah. and i'm pretty impressed by some of them yeah, I'm learning stuff from him too. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what he said the other day. Oh, he said droopy. Droopy. I didn't realize. I don't know that that's like a technical yeah. emotion, but I thought, you know, we're going to add that one. Droopy. <laughs> what emoji goes with that one? Droopy. You wonder what? What emoji goes with that? Oh, I know. I just, I just pictured someone really like down and droopy. But anyway, all that to say is it's really important to name that emotion Mm -hmm. and acknowledge it so that if you are trying to sit in it, you're sitting in the right emotion, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it also helps with communication in couples too. Mm -hmm. Like you and I have learned to communicate what emotion we're feeling up front. Um, Just because a lot of the emotions, if they're not named, can lead to like an argument or just a misunderstanding um Mm -hmm. and you we've done really good at that of just building on knowing and identifying the emotions especially me um identifying and being able to communicate that with with your significant other because if they know then it can be it just saves a lot of like time (laughs) trying to figure each other out it's that unspoken like maybe perceived as angry but i may be sad like yeah and then anger is the secondary emotion mm -hmm. we've learned yep I think it, I think that has helped us save a lot of conversations mm-hmm. or heartache of trying to figure it out or guess what the other person is feeling instead just name it and being able to, to pass that in for one another. Yeah, I know for a while, like when we would, you know, complain about work or something like that with each other, you know, even saying like, you know, I'm not angry or I'm not um, upset. I'm just feeling inadequate today or mm-hmm. I'm feeling like incapable or what whatever those words are it's really helpful to know how to meet your partner where they're at because otherwise you could be helping tend to an emotion that's not actually there that's helpful yeah it's not really helpful yeah another thing to acknowledge too is not just the emotion itself but also your response so i know for me early on when i would have those outbursts of built up emotion i didn't want to acknowledge that it was there was pride there i'm like i don't want to admit that i feel like this or that I just overreacted or whatever it is um and so just like acknowledging your response and being like how is it that I'm responding right now is this a healthy way Mm -hmm. is this how I want to respond or is there something better I could be doing instead because if you're just kind of allowing the emotions to overtake you and you're not acknowledging the response then you could be 
continually cycling these negative emotions um, and unhealthy ways of handling them. I think that's one of the hardest pains to sit in is being humble enough to admit and own <laughs> your emotion because very often it's it's hard to to own some of those things that you're feeling or that you're experiencing and having to to say it out loud to your partner it's like I don't want to say this but <laughs> yeah I know for you that was a huge journey like with yeah. acknowledging the unhealthy patterns you were having yeah. and how you were responding but sitting in that pain that I, I kind of I kind of view it as like a, um, a caterpillar going in the cocoon sitting in that heart and just coming out better mm. on the other side yeah, I love that yeah there you go there's visual <laughs> <laughs> I like that and then the other thing to acknowledge is like validating your emotions so both for yourself and your partner so there's been times where we have not validated each other because we didn't think that the other one's emotion was logical it's like oh you're overreacting or oh yeah. like this is not okay and I know I can be way more like that for you than you are for me where I can kind of tell you how it is you shouldn't be feeling or shouldn't be feeling and a lot of that stems back to because of the unhealthy ways you handled pain and mm. we've come so far obviously and again we can talk about that in another episode but no. because of the unhealthy patterns I would be so afraid of those those responses that I would just be like no you can't feel that way <laughs> no don't feel that way because I wouldn't want you to have a certain response so instead of doing that I think validating the feelings both for yourself yeah. and your and your partner is really important yeah absolutely and that kind of leads us into number two which is practicing self-compassion and I would say not just self-compassion but partner compassion as well with this it's like letting yourself feel messy and giving yourself the compassion that you would give to someone else who's going through hard things and so this kind of goes back mm -hmm. to my 24-hour rule Yep. of just being super self-compassionate like when I was talking about you know watching Netflix and doing all that stuff for me I never do that and so to me that's like being compassionate with myself to literally like zone out mm -hmm. like for other people that's an unhealthy response because they're you know they are maybe they zone out far too much and they're not actually like acknowledging their feelings but I'm so in my feelings all the time internally yes. <laughs> that zoning out is actually like a better response for me because I'm giving myself permission to not have to like like I'm sitting in my emotion but not in a way of like dissecting it and feeling guilty and all the things you know it's more just like look you're gonna sit here and mm. it's okay so you're you're an Enneagram 4 right yes so Enneagram fours feel a lot of feelings. Mm -hmm. So how have you learned, like, have you always just been able to experience them and help you, help you with them? Or have you, what are times that you've had to like be patient with yourself and forgive yourself or um, show compassion toward yourself? Yeah, I mean, I definitely like, I'm a lot more of an internal feeler than an external feeler, which is why it was so hard to identify as a type four because I would just see type fours as externally emotional and I definitely see you as a healthy four because yeah. you deal with the emotions very healthily yeah you're not like cray cray I mean always <laughs> a work in progress I don't think people dealing with emotions externally I don't think that's a crazy response it's just not how I operate um and so because of that I think it's a little bit harder because well for example I was facing some burnout just a few mm. weeks ago and yeah. I just kept saying to you and to a couple of people on my team, like, 
I can't do this anymore. This is too much. But because I was still functioning just yeah. fine, I wasn't emotional. I'm very like, whatever. No one was taking me seriously. No, I was like, oh, okay. So you need a cup of tea? There. Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> great. So what are we doing tonight? And I'm just like, I'm not okay. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. So, you know, just having that understanding of like, I operate differently than some people, like to some people that takes everything in them to be able to say, I'm not okay. That's mm. not hard for me to say. Yeah. It's just hard for me to actually like express it outwardly. Yeah. Cause I'm very controlled. I'm very like functional. Yeah. And so that can be, I can actually bite me in the butt a lot of times. I, I can vouch for that. Cause a lot of times you'll be in like, as you said, burnout mode and, you're like, I'm about done. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. So did you want like steak for dinner then? Yeah. <laughs> Chicken? <laughs> I remember even in parenting, I remember early on, I, I believe it was Kristen, my sister. Um, I remember like thinking I was, I was just yelling at the kids. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I was so crazy one day. And I looked at her and was like, I'm so sorry, like for acting that way. Oh my gosh. And she was like, did you just think you were yelling? And I'm like, yeah, like it was just so much. And she was just like, no, no, that wasn't at all yelling. And I'm like, really? I felt like terrible. She's like, no. So externally showing anger, sadness, all that is like See, a lot a for me. Yeah. <laughs> David, I'm completely opposite. I'm like, I'm like, totally cool and calm. And Amanda's like, why are you freaking out? I'm like, I'm not. It's so true. I totally see myself as cool, calm, and collective, and I'm totally not. Yeah, I'll be like, <laughs> All why are that. you yelling at me? And he's like, what? I'm, I'm not. not. Totally calm. I'm feeling a little frustrated, but. Oh my gosh. So um, we're a good balance. Yeah. So having self-compassion, like just knowing yourself and knowing your partner and like being compassionate towards however they operate, you know, like mm-hmm. if he's getting a little riled up, I know, okay, well, I don't particularly love this, but that's how, like how he is. And it's not towards me. It's just towards the situation. And yeah. like when I'm done and I say I'm done and I can't do it anymore, he knows, okay, Amanda's not going to go put herself in her room and tuck herself into bed and get everything ready and all that. But you can, and you do for yeah. me. And so just like caring for each other and showing compassion. Um, another thing too, is like always putting yourself in a place around people who make you feel safe when you need to sit in the pain and also like avoiding Mm -hmm. triggers that trigger that pain what would you say triggers pain for you or makes you feel like you're not in a safe place for me it's just it's i have to have quiet yeah (laughs) i'm very much like a in my head so if i'm trying to think through the pain or what's causing it or just being kind of self-reflective i've got to have that quiet place Mm -hmm. um which I think you're a complete opposite. You're like, you can just sit in the chaos of like the kids or the like just noise around you. And you're just like, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, no, I gotta go. <laughs> Quite often we've come, like we've talked through it where it's more of a healthier place. Of like I'm going to go take five minutes to reset. Like, yeah. cause I, I feel myself building um, just cause I, I don't have the time or space to just think through and process things that have going on or what am I feeling or Cause to me, that is like, you know, if there's a, a trigger point, I may not know right away that it's a trigger point, but I can, mm-hmm. I can see the effects of it all. So I have to go and retreat. And, You're and acknowledging your reaction. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge your reaction, but 
don't always know what it is at the time. Yeah, it's funny you say that when you're talking about needing to be alone, because I remember just a few years ago, um, David is really great at taking care of me, and he would try to isolate me, thinking that's Mm. what I needed. And any time a kid would try to come in the room, if I was like doing my whole 24-hour thing, he'd be like, get out. Get out. Don't be, don't bother them. Leave her alone. And yeah. I'm like, I need somebody. <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't she be that dramatic. But I do. I have to be around someone. Even the other day, I took a CEO day. I was at a hotel just one night. I usually do this a couple times a year. And I was spiraling a little bit. And um, my best friend slash assistant, she was like messaging me. And she's like, are you okay? I know you're alone. I'm here. <laughs> if you need to talk, I'm like, I do. I do need to talk. So I, but, but the way that I handle pain is externally processing. Like when I have space, which I, we all need space. So space Mm -hmm. is good, but I don't need like a day of space or like hours upon hours. And I realized that my phone starts blowing up. Yes. And it's been five minutes I have dealing with the kids and I left my phone. I come back and it was like 10 texts. Are you there? Why are you talking? Hello? I'm like, whoa, that's okay. (laughs) She's alone. Watch out. (laughs) Once I get the space very quickly, I'm. I need to go talk. Like I need to talk with Kaylee. I need to talk with you. I need to yeah. talk with my mom. Like well, somebody. Just the other day, like kind of what sparked this. We've been we've been talking about the podcast and and getting it going, and it's been on. We've been setting it up in motion, and you finally were you're traveling, and your flight was delayed, and you literally sat there for I think forty five minutes to an hour, and you came back with like three different things. Like we're going to do this. We're going to start this. Like. You just put things in motion. I was like, yes, I've been waiting for the, mm-hmm. the green light. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're the one that we've got to create this space for you to just think. And, and when you're alone, you have that time to think. But it doesn't take long. And then it's like, boom. Yeah, it doesn't take long. And then I want to be with somebody. So, But <laughs> but all that to say, we're, we're telling you that because it comes back to like, get to know your partner for what they need. Not mm-hmm. what you think they need. And don't project your own needs onto your partner. Correct. Because if I go in and send the kid in to hug you and do all this stuff or, or book yeah, a time no. with a friend like oh I booked you a dinner go talk it out like David would be like absolutely not. no I'm good I'm now he'll time. he'll eventually want to have dinner with the guy and talk talk it out later but he's got to fully process he's got to have a conclusion he's got to like there's a lot of steps for David before he wants to talk to you. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, I don't know how I feel until we talk. Can you please listen to me? <laughs> I think we're moving into conflict resolution a little bit. So we must, right, we need we'll to backtrack. do, no, but I mean, <laughs> we should probably do an episode where we talk more about that. All right. So point number three is how we help each other through hard emotions. So we kind of were talking about that a little bit already. And something I want to acknowledge is that my love language is words of affirmation and so david knows when i'm going through pain or i'm going through hard things i need to be told truths i need him to play the soundtracks that we were talking about earlier for me because my brain is not doing it i'm not feeling good i'm not feeling confident whatever when i'm in going through something hard and so he often will speak those truths to me you know and remind me of those things but he also naturally is an acts of service guy so he will I mean, it's really a good thing. I don't know how I would be alive if I weren't for you. Like, <laughs> I'm the person who like forgets to eat. Like, probably wouldn't drink water for five days if he didn't fill it up in the morning for me. Like, I I am just go 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 all the time. And David's like, hey, it's you know one in the morning. Are you gonna go to sleep? Oh yeah, yeah. I probably should do that. I don't know if this is okay to share, but oh, I will. No. But it was there was one time you were 
you were in your zone, you're like not thinking, you just got out of the shower and you had a towel on your head and you're on your phone, like getting ready to walk out. I'm like, the kids are still, do you want to put some clothes on? Like, <laughs> get dressed, It'd be good. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I literally had just gotten <laughs> right back to work and then I was like about to walk out of our room completely naked. So like, please don't scar the kids. They <laughs> were like, put the clothes on. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> So he definitely so active service me comes well. in many different ways. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. And then for me, I know, um, I mean, I can't speak for you, but I feel like the way I show up for you is often trying to pull you out of um sometimes I need a fire isolation. Yeah. Sometimes I need a fire let me be like, hey, come back, come back to earth. <laughs> yeah. I get lost in my head or like just the isolation. Although mm-hmm. I do, I do, I've gotten really good at being able to know, like I put time limits on it. It's that 24 hours. Yeah, like, I don't do 24 better. hours, but I'm like, Hey, I literally need like five or 10 minutes. Um, frequently, so, frequently, frequent yeah. five and 10 minutes, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. But they become less and less frequently. I think when we first like started figuring that out, it was very much like so say, like, hey dad, I gotta take five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get nope, you gotta take five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a lot better. Yeah. But yeah, no, you definitely help me bring me back to to the isolation. Kind of a call to action, like, hey David, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely more of the challenger and pusher when he's in his pain, and he's more of the like pulls me into it a little bit because I will just run out of it quickly. Mm-hmm. So we're a good yeah. balance for that. But that took a lot of not doing it right and a lot of like figuring each other out so I definitely like challenge you as a couple to like both share what you need personally Mm -hmm. and how you operate and honestly I would start by saying how you operate currently and how you want to operate because maybe how you're operating currently isn't how you want to operate and that's okay you got to start somewhere you got to start with that acknowledgement and then when you tell your partner like hey this is what I'm doing this is what I'd like to be doing then you can hold each other accountable to that. And also a follow-up question we try to use a lot is how can I support you in that? Yep. Having that open communication is key. Yeah. Just being able to sit and talk about it with your spouse and and really acknowledging it and being able to 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 accept it well. I think it's important as a spouse when the other one's talking about what they need to to be open-minded and open arms like supportive through that. Yeah. Because a lot of times, I mean, early on in marriage, I think there were times where I would shut you out and just be like, that's, I don't think you really need that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who was I to say that you didn't need something? Mm-hmm. So I think communicating it for one, and then the, the partners being able to listen and, and be supportive for that. Yeah. Absolutely. David even is so cute. He like has little notes on his phone like that with my name on it. And anytime I share something that's like, I mean, lit- it could be as extreme as like, my like biggest sure, secret. secret I don't think I would do that but <laughs> like or my big dream or whatever and, and as little as like my Chipotle order like he literally oh, just has a note <laughs> of everything on the end and I just think it's so cute when I'm like sharing hey this is something I've noticed or I've learned about myself he's always like taking yeah. notes on me which is really sweet <laughs> like a reporter yeah <laughs> if you want to know what a man the fact just come ask me now I'm sometimes i read it and i'm like oh i forgot i was about that that's i think you you're not allowed to change idea. that's the thing i'm <laughs> your, always changing your chipotle order asks me the same for the rest of your life <laughs> you changed on me i'm gonna update my notes oh my goodness. <laughs> but yeah so 
just to kind of summarize, because yeah. we've talked a lot and shared stories and all that, but we definitely want you guys to be able to learn from us, but also go apply. So again, the three steps to learning a sit in pain, and these are not scientifically proven. These are Amanda and David's <laughs> version. And then we've learned on our journey. <laughs> um, the first step, like I said, is acknowledge. Acknowledge the emotion itself and your response and validate that. Number two is practice self-compassion and compassion for your partner, letting yourself be able to feel what you need to feel and providing the type of support your partner and you need. Um, get yourself in a safe place and avoid triggers that might be causing you to not be able to get out from under that pain. And number three is helping each other through those hard emotions in ways that you need, not projecting your own needs onto your partner. That's a hard one. Key. <laughs> yeah. So I would love it if you would have this conversation with your partner soon, plan a date night, do something where you guys can maybe hash out a recent pain that you've had, maybe as an individual or as a couple. Yeah. Talked about it, what worked well, what didn't work well, how do you want to handle the pain instead? And then if you want, you can email me at Amanda at highperformanceinsider.com and tell us about it. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. We would love to be able to hear, and I mean, we can keep it anonymous, but even sharing some emails would be super fun to be able to see like what couples are doing and also be able to help other people with more stories than just our own. Yeah, that would be great. We'd love to hear feedback and stories and, and be able to share those. So please email us. Yeah. All right. Well, tune in next time and we can't wait to talk to you then. Thank you. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the High Performance Couples Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and leave a review to help us spread the word. Also, we wanted to let you know about a free resource we created that you don't want to miss. We love helping couples find ways to connect and go deep with one another. No more surface level conversation. It's time to really get to know one another on a deeper level. So we created High Performance Couples Conversation Cards to download for your next date night. Head to the link in our show notes to download our free couples conversation cards and take your dates to the next level. Then email amanda at highperformanceinsider.com and let us know what you think. Until next time, keep pursuing your highest potential.